0: So I have a question, how are small business owners like us, who are spending 60 plus hours a week working in our businesses, and are still struggling to make ends meet, who have no time to spend with family, friends, or the things we value most in life, who feel trapped inside of our businesses, and it is consuming our lives, how do we get the freedom to be able to work on our businesses and not in them? That is the question this podcast will give you the answer. My name is John Nichols, and this is Expansion Code Radio. What's up, everyone? Welcome to today's podcast. My name is John Nichols, and this is Expansion Code Radio. So we have Rick Highland on today. Rick, welcome to the show. John, thanks for having me. It's a treat to be here with you. Man, I, you know what? I love having great guests, and you are a pretty great person. We talked about a little couple things and uh, beforehand, and uh I just tell you right now, I'm really looking forward to this podcast. So why don't you give my listeners a little info about you and about what you do? Sure. Um, Well, today
1: I'm the president of CI for Life, which stands for Continuous Improvement for Life. And I coach businesses how to scale, how to grow, how to build their revenue base. And that's really based out of a book I wrote called The Truth About Being a Rainmaker, Seven Steps for Sales Excellence. And It's out on Amazon a couple of months ago, but it's all about the story of how I 100x my consulting company and then how I've the same principles, how I've been coaching others to do it. Before that, I ran a 250 person consulting company called RLG International. I joined as a young pup out of MBA school and uh, worked my way up, grew, uh, helped grow the company from 30 people to 250 and then sold it, and then started this uh, coaching, coaching uh, one-on-one entrepreneurs and sales leaders on how to grow their business. I live in Salt Lake City, Utah. We have six kids and fifteen grandkids, and that's my story, and I'm sticking to it, John.
0: <laughs> that's awesome, man. That's awesome. I've got a, I've got three kids of my own. One's grown, and uh, I've got boy girl twins that are fourteen right now. So. I'm Ooh, still, fine. uh, well, I'm, I'm not a young pup. I'm, I'm not a young pup. I'm 52 now. And, uh, so I would to decided to have my twins late in life and I don't recommend that for anybody out there, but anyhow, it, it, but that's beside it's the, the point. Game, it's the game it's, of the young, isn't it? It's for the young
1: of heart, right? It takes all the energy that it takes.
0: It, it does. I mean, I'm just, you know, the thing is, is that, you know, if you can hurt yourself getting out of bed, you shouldn't be having young kids, you know? <laughs> So, <laughs> so you know, I'm just saying <laughs> uh, that that's one thing I've figured out getting out of bed. You know, I, I rolled out of bed. It was about I don't know three, four weeks, four weeks ago. I rolled out of bed and I just and um I have a little rug. We have hardwood floors in our bedroom, and I have a little rug next to my bed. And um and when I rolled out of bed and stepped on it, the rug moved. I slipped. And then I just fell on the floor. I mean, you know, I mean, I only fell what two and a half feet something. Like not not even that far, maybe two feet. And I was just like, boom. I was just like, oh, and then, then I I started getting back, I'm just like, did I hurt myself? I just slipped on a rug and fell like less than two feet. And uh, it was it was just the craziest thing. I was just like, My back is hurting now. And it was just like uh, and my wife was laughing at me. She's just like, You're so silly. And I'm just like, I'm not being silly, I'm hurting. And she's just like, Okay, go get a shower. And so it's just one of these things. Um, But yeah, but so, so, so tell me a little bit about your book. I mean, I'm really, this sounds like a really fantastic read. I'm thinking I'm going to have to give me a copy of this thing.
1: So what I did is I, I actually read a sales book in January and it motivated me to say, you know what, I've done this. I've 100X the company and I have some ideas on how to do it. And so today's world, it's so easy to write a book, right? You can contract on guru.com for an editor and a designer and all that kind of fun stuff. And so I just had to have the ideas based on experience. And I include some of my client stories in there as well (laughs) of people applying the principles. Cause we know in sales and in business growth, it's not a cookie cutter, you know, exact scientific process, right? There is some best practices and then some nuances around it. So that was kind of the fun in writing the book is, you know, how did we hundred X the company? Okay. Here's the seven ideas. And then how have other people applied these ideas as well to grow their company? So that was kind of the motivation behind it. And then it's been super fun to with my peers that were in, in the journey with me to go back and in retrospect say, well, what, what was it that, that we did? Right and, uh, help others kind of learn the same. That That's why we wrote it and what's in it.
0: You know, it's so, so I find that so interesting because the thing is, is, um, so I'm a funnel hacker. I, um, uh, I don't know if you know who Russell Brunson is, uh, click oh, yeah. funnels and all this sort of stuff. I yep. last. Yep. And last week I was at their, their annual conference funnel hacking live and it was in Orlando last week. And I was talking to a guy and he was just like. Um, She's like, hey, you're, because he, cause I had on my, my tag, and, and underneath it, it said podcaster. I had a little ribbon, put podcaster on it. And uh, he he was he was just like, oh, so you're a podcaster. Do you have a book yet? I'm just like, what do you mean a book? And he was just like, yeah, a book. He goes, how many episodes do you have? And I, I told him, maybe, I guess at the time it was, I had um, 114 recorded at the time. And this week alone, I went from 114 to you or my 121st episode this week, so. Uh, so, so I have recorded quite a few podcasts over the past uh, two days. And he was just like, uh, but you don't have a book? I said, yeah, no, I don't have a book. And he was just like, you know, you can just take the transcripts from your podcast. You You can have your podcast transcripts. You can take those transcripts and send them to an editor. An editor will edit those things, put them in order, put them into a chapter and send them back to you and now you've got a book from just your podcast. And he says so you, you need to pick 10 or 12 uh episodes that are you know and he 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 goes most of them have to be about 20 minutes long or longer and he said then you can have them transcribed and make a book out of them and i was just like and he goes and it costs very little money and i was just like huh that's a pretty cool idea so um so So Rick, I'm, I'm, I'm going to work on me a book. So I think that's a pretty cool concept to take your.
1: There's so many resources to help, but your point, I, I think, uh, John, I was doing a piece of research the other day on a podcast and to tie into one of your points there, it, it, uh, the article was about why small business fails and the the numbers are pretty staggering and this isn't recession or anything. This is just data over the last 20 years that 70% of small businesses fail in the first five years, 70%. Mm-hmm. So hopefully the question the listeners are, you know, asking are two, one, why, and what can I do differently? So I'm not in that bucket. Um, and the, why yes. is they pinpointed three, three reasons why one, they don't understand their numbers, their finances, revenues, expenses, um, they don't know they're running out of money, for example, uh, or they don't manage it well. They just work hard and hustle, which is key part of it. The second reason was they don't have a formal written down business plan. They're just kind of working it. They had a product or a service idea with no structured business plan. And then the third reason they were failing is they don't have a robust, multifaceted marketing strategy. And those are, those last two things is what I help clients with, is overcoming, I've got to have a business plan. I've got to be clear on my value propositions. i got to be clear on my values, my purpose, my avatar customer, et cetera. Those are the first three principles in the book, by the way. And then I also have to have a marketing strategy, a lead gen strategy. I have to have scripts and processes to help me do lead gen well, discovery calls well, closing well. To your point earlier about process, so as we, I hope the the inspirational message out of this is you can overcome the odds by understanding your business. Like for example, one small business I coach doesn't know their finance, doesn't know their profit and loss till the end of the year, and that that in today's world that that's not going to cut it, particularly in recessionary times. You have to know your numbers, even at a Uh loose, informal, estimated point of view. You can't close your books, but Mm -hmm. I would encourage people to know their numbers monthly. What were my revenues? What were my expenses? Got to do that. Even if you don't have a formal CFO, guy that's great at financing, et cetera, et cetera, contract to someone if you can't do it, if you don't have it in your team to do some simple estimates. And then secondly, have a business plan. Be clear on your values and value proposition and customer and then have a robust, meaningful marketing strategy, which means more than just podcasting or more than just writing a book. It's it's too many. If, if there's an error on marketing strategy, entrepreneurs lean on foot traffic only or flyers or whatever has worked for them where I usually recommend to entrepreneurs to have three or four levers they can pull on for lead gen. If you're just (laughs) counting on word of mouth or your podcast or your book, you're probably not going to be as successful as you want. And so, um, those are some of the reasons for failure,
0: John, and those are some of the solutions. Yeah, you are speaking my language. We, um, We most definitely have done things over the years. The the one thing that we focus on a lot nowadays, um, because we get what's called free foot traffic. And that means that Amazon is sending all kinds of people into my locations to do returns because we have a deal with Amazon. And I get paid X amount of dollars for sending back these packages. But the thing is, is that there's a lot of UPS store owners out there that are really upset about this. Because they're saying, oh, well, they're taking away from my real paying customers. And the thing is, is that you need to change these Amazon return customers into your UPS store customers. (coughs) And And the only way to do that is that you have to have a robust system in place, processes and procedures in place to educate these customers. We're not trying to sell them anything, but we're trying to educate them on the other things that we do in our stores. And it all become and it all starts with all this in store marketing because I think lots of people leave lots of money on the table inside their locations they already have let's say that you've been doing this four years, right, and you already have a base of customers that are coming in and using your stuff. are they spending every dollar they can with you in this store on your products and services, and if they're not then. You need to first stop that bleeding right there because because you are just losing cash. You're bleeding cash everywhere because these folks aren't using you for their stuff. A prime example, I mean, you talked about before we got um on the air, maybe or I can't remember, is that um is that uh, printing one of the profit centers, right? So my ideal customer, okay, my customer avatar, and I have one for a man and a fee, for for a man and a and a woman. Is um, a small business owner, right? And the thing is, is that my male avatar does this, and my female avatar does this because these are the people that I need to 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 go after. So my female avatar is normally um, moms that have a home business, home based business that they're doing stuff out of. Okay, and then my guys are normally someone that has like a storefront retail front. <clears throat> for my avatars. And the thing is, is that I go after these people and what, and what do all both of these people need? They need printing. And the thing is, is that, um, you've got to go after, you know, like you said, once you figure out who you, what your customer avatar is, once you get your business plan in place, who, who's your customer, why are you doing what you're doing? What is your purpose? You've got to get all this stuff. I mean, I mean, you are preaching to the choir with me on this. Then once you get these things done, then you got to implement them. And the thing is, is that we now um, do all kinds of other things with all different markets, all different marketing pieces, but I have my managers focus on that in-store. i got other people to focus on the the out-of-the-location marketing, but I have my managers focus on this in-store because there is so much money to be had. And the thing is, is that if that small business owner that comes in doesn't know that we do printing, they're getting that. They're getting their printing done someplace else, and so yeah, well, people think let the PS stores are all about.
1: Let me give you an example yeah. of what you're talking about, that, and, <coughs> and I, I, we're exactly aligned here. The, so, some people call it the the lifetime order fulfillment of a customer, right? It's it's not just what they're buying now; it's what the potentially could be, right? You do great work with them on mailbox. Yes. What else could they do? So. That's a really important point. I saw some stats recently. I wish I could remember her name. It was a really nice blog. Taylor Landis that's who it was. If people look it up and basically she showed that existing customers you have a 50 to 70 percent chance of selling them upselling, downselling if you want to use funnel language or one of your other product streams or service streams where new customers, it's a five percent five to ten percent, right. And so who's the easiest person mm-hmm. to sell to is the people that already know and trust you for a service, but you've got four or five streams of income in that particular store if we're using that example. So I asked also, you know, I was coaching the lady I was talking about on PostNet um, and she is so busy fulfilling orders, mail, mailboxes, printing in, in the shop she, and she's very friendly and she's very outgoing. But she, she needs more business. She needs more revenue. And so we had that exact customer or uh, conversation that you're having. OK, Who's the easiest customer to sell to? Well, people that already know and trust us. Good. All right? How can we get them to understand that we're more than just mailbox or more than just printing or more than just uh, whatever? Uh, we have other products and services. Well, uh, I could uh, my replacement comes in at three o'clock every afternoon. I could phone, I could use that hour, the very first hour when I'm not behind the desk doing fulfillment and calling my customers and asking them how they're doing. And then see if I could leverage that, leverage that into other products. So it's super easy, right? John, Hey, I noticed you were in the store a couple of weeks ago and we did some mailing for you and some printing. How did that go? I'm just doing a follow up. Did was our service good? Was our timeliness good? What do you think about the whole service? Anything we can do to improve, John? Oh, geez, thanks for asking. Yeah, it was awesome. But if there's any way that, you know, we could do a number system. So we're not, you know, whatever that John says on that. And then, oh, by the way, John, again, we really appreciate your business. Thank you for coming in. Were you aware that we also do these things? Or were you aware that we're running a 20% special on X? We'd love to see you in the store. These are the other things we, oh, geez, I didn't realize you also do that. Yeah, next time I come in, I'll, I'm going to send that because you did this one service so well. And now you've asked them for feedback about that service and then brought up. And what's, what's the risk? What if they say, yeah, I know that. And that's fine. Thank you. Great. You've still scored deposits or built trust. That's what we're trying to do. The T word, right? We're trying to build trust with our clientele. And if they trust us, then they're wide open to other product and services and and the multiple streams of income. So the best source to your point is building trust on an existing service with an existing customer and then helping them understand the other products. You could also do that as they walk in the store. Hey, how's it going? How's your day? Do you have a second to talk? How are we doing at servicing your needs? Great. Oh yeah, that's awesome. Thanks. No, I'm busy today, but yeah. Okay, well, just so you know, we've got another sale or this other service We'd love to help you. Oh, well, great. I'll keep that in mind for sure. You know, so those are, you have to be intentional. You have to have a strategy behind that, but it's a tremendous well way to build your income without even adding a customer.
0: Yeah, that's so true. It's, it's pretty interesting that, that you talk about this example. So so we have a system in place for our print customers. And what we do is that is that we have an Excel spreadsheet for every customer, and we have a column that says thirty days. I mean, we, I think we have a couple columns that says thirty days, a couple columns that say uh, sixty days, a couple columns that say ninety days. And I think it's, I think it's, I think it's four for each for each section. So thirty, ninety. So so it equals twelve weeks. And what we do is that after after the customer picks up their print job, there this is an existing print customer everything else, what we do is that we wait a week, we call them and we, we ask them, you know, first of all, was your, was your print correct? Because lots of people will pick up their printing and if it's wrong, they're just going to be like, okay, I'm just going to go someplace else. Well, we don't want to lose those folks. (coughs) So what we do is that we call call them a week later and make sure that their printing was correct. If not, we fix that for them. So let's say it's correct. They know everything's great, perfect. But do you have any upcoming print projects that we can help you with? Oh, I don't have anything now. Okay, great. You call them the next week. Hey, this is John at the UPS store. Just call them to check and see how you're doing, and see if you got any upcoming print projects we can help you with. No, okay. And, and so, so, so we have this process that we that we touch them four times in a month eight, for the next three months, <clears throat> and what this does. Is that, um, is that not only are we touching them with a the phone call, we're also sending them a, at least an email once or twice a month with this stuff. And yeah, I, in doing this, what this does is that the, what? Yeah, I was just gonna build on your point. You Go ahead. Ahead. Finish your
1: thought, and then I'll add.
0: Okay, and 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 then what what it does is that it starts building rapport with this customer. And the thing is, is that we now have a build a relationship with someone. And when you build the relationship first, and the trust, they're not gonna they're not gonna seek anybody else to do the print. What was you gonna say?
1: Yeah, I was just gonna build on your point, and uh, I think the real magic is building a system behind it, right? I have my clients start a Google sheet uh, with each lead generation method that they're using for separate tab. And then on one on known and existing clients, find their top 20 for people. Some businesses they'll have to do more than that, but let's for argument's sake, say top 20 and then literally track what I call the value or nurturing process but it's really important in there, another nuance in what you're talking about. And I love the weekly call check-in on quality. People will give feedback on quality. How are we doing? You know, How can we do better? But every touch, if you're not going to be a burden in that process, every touch has to have value for them. Hey, I'm just trying to anticipate we've got some big orders in. Just trying to anticipate. Hey, did you know we've got new color sets of paper? Hey, you know, I was looking at your last um, – print job and did you know that if you could are you interested in looking at a different color front or a different color back or a different a lot of people are using a blah 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 call to action this way you know some or did you know that we have a 20 so always you're bringing value always otherwise it can be determined as bugging them and so you always want to be mindful because this is what trust-based selling is all about right it's their needs not just ours so Hey, I noticed your last, you don't mind. I really liked your last sales deck. I have my lady tell me this all the time. And, you know, particularly slide 37, when you told, talked about, I hope you don't mind that I looked at it, it was really good. Oh, no, I don't mind. When you called them for action on these three things. So what does a compliment do? What does a check-in do? What is a, you know, um, so it's always in process tracking. You got to be disciplined to be a great rainmaker. And it's always with the end in mind, how do I add value to them rather than just find out if they've got more work for me? And if you can adhere to those two things, you're going to grow and you're going to build trust with people and you're going to expand with existing customers and new.
0: Yeah. One other thing that that we also do with that stuff within within that first week after they pick up, we send them a handwritten thank you card for doing business with us and we mail it to them. And we also give it time, but be- before you reach out to them, we always um, we always give it time. Uh, okay, so, so this is going to take a couple of days to get there, right? And then we we schedule that call about a day, a day to two days after they get that thank you. And they're just like, I just read your thank you note. And we're just like, awesome. Um, you know, how do we do? What can we do better? And we, we we do all kinds of stuff. And then, and like I said, when we do our weekly call, we, we're just checking up on them. You know, how's business going? We, we always do this rapport piece first, and then we ask them at the very end, hey, is there any other projects that you got going on? It's all about building that rapport and and building that relationship with the customer because people love that. And here's the thing about this is that what we're doing is that we're creating an experience, and people pay for an experience because, because it's a memory. It, it ends up being a memory, it ends up being things in their life that they enjoy. If you can create a positive experience, it goes a long way, Rick.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, this lady, uh, Linda, that runs the PostNet here, she's the friendliest. People love going into her store because it's more than just mailing something or getting something printed. She's so friendly. She wants to know about you and your life, and she remembers your name, and she's engaging and looks you in the eye, all those little things go to build relationships that build trust that keep customers coming back.
0: And it's so vitally important. So what are some other things that you do, Rick, to help people uh, financially? I mean, when when you're looking at their finances and how to help them grow money wise, um, what are some other things that that you really look at?
1: Yeah. You know, once you've set your foundation of what are your core values, what's your avatar customer, what's your um, purpose? why, Why am I so big on purpose? Because that comes out in your passion, that comes out in your resilience, that comes out in your energy towards what you're doing. I love serving people. I love giving value to people. That's what we're about here at my store is if there's ever anything that we can do. You know, so if you've articulated that and where you're coming from, so that you can create that great customer experience. Those are the first steps. So another uh, fault, if you will, or opportunity for improvement that I see in small businesses is they rely too much on word of mouth. And they're they're not running other leverageable lead generation strategies. They're not tracking the success of those. If you're doing advertising and you don't know your ROI, you're not doing it right. So you want to be able to figure out whether it's paid Facebook ads, whether it's LinkedIn, whether it's in your local newspaper, you know, you want to be able to link that somehow to know whether that money, because I it drives me crazy when people are spending money and they don't know if they're getting value from it. That's not good entrepreneurship. That's not good small business management. And, you know, well, that's really hard with some pure general advertising because it's exposure and blah, blah. That's true. But that's why a lot of them share a code. Or uh, say you talk to Randy, you know, or say you talk to John. Um, And uh, there's different ways to do that. But for sure online, there's a million ways to track uh, whether you're getting good ROI from your lead generation. But so first step is don't just rely on social media and or walk in traffic. Have a multi-pronged strategy. What will paid advertising do for me in my business? What will conferences do for me? What will... Um, following up on my top 20 known people do for me. What will an affiliate marketing strategy do for me? If I, if there's people that also know my ideal client very well and they're a big business, what if I assign them up as an affiliate and give them a 20% profit margin or 20% of my, what I sell to them for being the referral agent? Holy smokes. There's, there is companies crushing it just on an affiliate marketing strategy. Are you using that for your business or are you just relying on social media and walk-in traffic? And if you are, I bet you you're starving for a little, you could use a little bit more help. So have an intentional strategy. You may choose, conferences isn't for me. If I got a small business retail, I'm not going to do conferences unless there's really a, you know, where my avatar customer is. But I may do paid advertising. I may do affiliate. I may do, you know, those follow-up calls. I call them research calls. That might be a very... That explicit strategy. In fact, I'd highly recommend it for a brick and mortar retail. But make sure that you've got a three or four-prong, intentional, written-down strategy with budget. A lot of errors people make is they put all their money on the buying the franchise, equipping the store, getting employees, and they got no room for marketing and they wonder why their business is sub-optimized. That marketing budget, right off the get-go. You got to have, and I don't know the percentages. It depends where you are in the life cycle of your operation. But please, 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 please have a marketing budget and have a four-prong lead generation strategy to get people in the door so you can create that great experience and that lifetime client experience for them. But if they're not walking in the door, you can't. So uh, you got to spend some money. You got to have a budget. Make it three or four levers do them well and you may learn like I talked to somebody yesterday said hey I try I started with four and I found out the two that work for me great then optimize the heck out of those two strategies put your budget your time and your energy behind, behind behind that and so you can get people walking in the door and then it's up to your other processes to your other point on order fulfillment etc to make it a great client experience for them but At least on the lead gen side, that's where a lot of small businesses make the mistake of not having enough budget for marketing and not having a multi-pronged approach to uh, get people in the door so they can have this great experience. So anyhow, those are a couple of the lessons that we work with entrepreneurs to do.
0: So one of the things that we do is that we build an email list. Um, So whenever somebody comes in to ship, ship a package with us, um, because that is what we're known for. We're the UPS store. Some people come in and shipping with us, right? We're shipping UPS with us and uh, and having us package stuff up. Um uh, with, with within that software, we have a place that we can capture their email and say, hey, listen, would you like to receive a notification when your package is delivered? It's free. We capture that email. So 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 they're getting value for giving me their email. But the thing is, is that so we capture the we capture all these folks, and then what we do is that anytime my anytime one of my locations, so they're not doing so well this month for whatever reason. <clears throat> we go to that email list, okay? And this is my cash machine, folks. And the thing is, I only tap in on it when we're when we're behind because if I email too much, it it puts people off. So you can't keep emailing people all the time, all the time. But whenever one of my stores are behind, I go to this email list, and then <clears throat> I start talking about stuff like. Have you ever had a package stolen off your store, off, off your front porch? You know, at, at the UPS store we offer um, mailbox services to where all your packages would come here, and you won't ever have to worry about having another package stolen. Or we talk about <clears throat> wide format printing. Do you need posters or banners for your upcoming events? come to the UPS store. We can help you out with this stuff. So, so we, so we have all these, we have all these, these different marketing email templates already done up that we've done year after year. We come in and tweak them every year. We change them a little bit (coughs) to keep them fresh and, and, and looking good. And what happens with this is that I can pull this up and depends on these, like in the summertime, I, I may have an email template that says, come get your, um, come get your banners printed at the UPS store for your birthday party. And so then if a store's not doing well, or if we, if we just want to send one out, we don't do it. If we do, it's maybe once a month tops, but that's normally, it's normally every other month, something like this that we dig into this email pile. But whenever we send that email out, it is a cash machine. We have an influence of customers coming and looking for that product or service that we're promoting in that email. And it works every time. The the key I've learned over the 20 years doing this is that I can't just bombard people every every week, every month with emails, with marketing emails, telling stuff. Um we do like to normally send out one email a month that is just informational. It just gives information about whatever. Uh just to keep our customers educated on on our products and services and and about about that product or service. There's no sales piece in that. It's just information only, and that builds uh, rapport with people too. Because now I'm not trying to sell sell them something.
1: Yeah, and it adds value, right? Did you know uh, you could use wide label, small? You know, there's other optionality. I had that same experience in consulting where people would, you know, we did great work in maintenance uh, operations, improving cost and timeliness. And then you have a discussion, Oh, amazing work, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, oh, I didn't know you guys did operations too. Meaning your clients and they, they're busy. They, they got lots to do just because there's a stand on there in the retail store, just because you've ca- talked with them before. They don't know your full lifetime potential of things that you can add value to your life for. So as you add, I love the email list. I love the idea that you're adding value, giving them ideas And then also planting seeds for tomorrow or down the road because they saw that list two months ago. Oh yeah, that's right. These guys do really good professional color on the highest stock and, or video editing and at 4k or, you know, whatever it might be. So awareness and uh, trying to add value uh, with an email list is great. And your point is very well taken on. You can't use it too much. Let me just share one more principle that may be interesting to the people that have, a number of stores or a number of salespeople. Um, I did some coaching with a storage unit that had 50 locations. And so we were trying to build this idea of alignment and learning and accountability for good sales process. And so what we built, and this is a principle that I'd recommend for, you know, even yourself with 10 organizations, or if somebody listening is an entrepreneur with five salespeople, is this principle, and this is, you know, principle number five in my book, and it's um, build a robust business development system. What do we mean by that? It's built off this principle and this saying, when we deal in generalities, we rarely succeed. When we deal in specifics, we rarely fail. When performance is measured, performance improves. When performance is measured and reported, performance accelerates. So if I'm a multi-site business owner or I have a large sales team I try to manage and I need better focus, accountability, engagement, ownership, and um, s- response from them, I'd build an aligned business development system. So what does that look like? Uh, it has four principles. Um, everybody tracks a one-pager, a simple, it doesn't have to be fancy at all, and you could do this weekly or monthly but they send in that report and it has what were their sales. And then more importantly, it has what were their leading indicators. It might be foot traffic. It might be sales of different products. It might be um, return customers. It might be what are the leading indicators that tell you whether you're doing good service, that's going to lead you to more sales, right? And then what are your highlights and what are your next steps? If I can get my 10 people in my organization aligned on what's my lagging indicators, what's my leading indicators, what's my highlights of the last month, and what are my strategic next steps to increase sales and improve my store. And everybody can be that focused and that accountable and that aligned. And by the way, they have to report that in a 10-minute meeting, not not just send it to John, but actually have a little bit of a chat. It's probably virtually because your stores are spread throughout the country or the region It may be face-to-face. That's even better. But at least 10 minutes of that is for each person to account to their results, their leading indicators, their highlights, and their next steps. What does that do? It builds learning. It builds accountability. If somebody's doing 25 cold calls a, a week in this store and the other's not doing any, that jumps right to the top. And there's a learning right there and there's an accountability. Well, Joe's having a great experience with just calling up people and see if they need any services with friendly smile, customer service, blah, blah, blah. Frank's doing a great job at return customer calls and interventions. And he's tried this little feedback technique. So there's lots of cross learning. There's lots of accountability. Um, and that that's, if you're trying to scale a larger organization with a number of people, that's such a critical tip for learning for accountability and for engagement that you want all 10 of your people firing on the same cylinder, try that simple one hour business review with them reporting up on their one pager and see if you don't get better results and better accountability and better focus out of your group.
0: Yeah, we're doing something almost exactly like that right now. We are um, every day, um, five days a week. It's not over the weekends, but five days a week, Um, there's an email sent out that has the daily numbers from the day before. That's the numbers from the day before. And it goes out out Monday through Friday. And then on Thursday, all my managers get together with my director of operations. And they have a Zoom call, a one-hour Zoom call. And they go over what, what the trends are. They go over the numbers. They go over what's going on. Then there's goals and expectations set for every week. What are they doing? How are they doing it? Um, And then anything going on in the store that could potentially be or potentially happen in a different location is always talked about, too. And so the thing is, is um, years ago, I did a survey with all my employees and I found out the number one thing that we were lacking was communication. and when we fixed our communication problems, we fixed a lot of our other problems um, because, because the more communication um, we had with people, the more they felt like we were um, a tribe. You know, And my definition of tribe is it's the best of family and the best of team put together to make tribe. And, and that's not my definition that there, that there's a definition I came across. I don't, can't remember where I found it at, but when we try to create this tribe atmosphere, this culture, um, we want everybody to have a, be able to have a say so and stuff. And when they're able to have a say so and being able to be, to be open and honest about things, we tend to get a better family atmosphere, with this team production and that there's my tribe and it works really well. And And I think culture is is so important. John, great points.
1: And and I would, I would split communication out to two parts, performance communication and connection or relationship communication. So both are equally important. You find an organizations, particularly if they're bigger uh, without one of those two, I'll show you a sub-optimized group, but to your point, the the connections, the collaborations, the contests, going to the game, you know, recognition at the beginning of those meetings on three people that really crushed it, um, doing social events together. um, All those are so important to form the tribe, but also to maximize the business, you need these performance discussions. You need it based on specificity, based on KPIs, not gut hunch. A lot of people will want to bring you anecdotal stories and those are good, but everybody brings data first and then you can bring the anecdotal story behind it so that we can, because we can't really coach you unless you have real honest open data on your traffic, on your conversions, on your average sale, on your whatever is the most important data for your business. So yes, have both and be good at both performance conversations and Uh, cultural, tribal connection conversations. And it could be the same meeting. You could do a little bit of both, or sometimes it could be separate. But, yeah, very good point. Communication is key.
0: Yeah, we use GroupMe also. So all of our managers are in a GroupMe together, and then in certain regions they have a separate GroupMe for just those managers in that region. And it's really interesting is that – and they create – these regional group meetings, and they they become this this really close knit tribe. And that's where they collaborate and share ideas and stuff from. And then and I mean it, and it's family like and it's team like and it's a little bit of all this mixed in together. And then on our weekly calls is when we're talking about performance and things of this nature, you know, <clears throat> and then we have that daily um email that comes out, which is our numbers email. And so, so the thing is, is that at the, on on that Thursday call, they always talk about the numbers, you know, and they, you know, there's kudos for people that are doing really well. And then it's just like, Hey folks, you know, how can we, how can we make improvements? And we always, and it's the crazy thing about it is, is that most of the things and procedures and processes that we've come up with, they've not been from me and they've not been from my wife or anybody on the executive team it's always been from my tribe mates it, it's always been from the tribe it's always been from other people uh, and and we always ask for hey listen how can we make stuff better and because the thing is is that I'm not in the trenches every day Rick. and the thing is is that when I'm able to get that feedback on how to make something better through these people they're there and you know and they know how it's done so it's it's so vitally important to keep up and be able to keep up that communication that is honest and uh, for them to be looking at us and be like, hey, you know, you know, if I'm not showing good leadership, then I can't expect anybody else to. And so I think it's a thing that's vitally important that it starts from the top down and you create what you're what you're wanting to happen in your organization, and it's through that purpose and it's through um it's through that communication it's through that con- those connections that you're able to really make an organization a grow because the thing is is that I couldn't have 10p 10, 10 ups stores if it wasn't for the people. I can have as many processes, procedures, and structures and all this other stuff, but if it wasn't for the people, <clears throat> and I always tell people, it falls into two buckets of my success, it falls into the people, it falls into the processes and procedures that that we're doing and structures and things of this nature. And you gotta have both, and you gotta nurture both. You gotta be on top of both. You always have to be looking at trying to improve both buckets all the time. As soon as you <clears throat> say, "Hey, you know, i made it to the pinnacle," then you're gonna lose everything. It's always about. Uh, I remember when you talked at the very first of this, talking about always improving who you are always taking these steps to improve your business, always looking for the next step, always looking for something more, never being content because whenever you become content, your business is going to fail.
1: Yeah, my, my observation that's actually principle number six of the seven is um, six is uh, be innovative, be continual learning that my observation over, I've been doing this for 35 years is the people that win in the end isn't the natural talent, super friendly, whatever. It's those people that are committed to continuing learning, to get better at relationship building, to get better at closing, to get better at opening, to get better at order fulfillment, to get better at you know whatever it might be. They're continually learning, continue reading, listening, networking, always learning, trying to get better at their craft, their business. Uh some people argue, oh, I'm too busy to continue to learn. Well then you'll be too busy doing something else later on. You have to be committed. The people that are real rainmakers can do this over 10, 20, 30 years because they're committed to continually learning and getting better. And then principle number seven is self-care. Be your best every day. Do whatever it takes, first thing in the morning or at night, whenever you do your self-care, exercise, prayer, scripture, whatever you do to get centered and ready to be your best every day for your family, for your business. Those are the real rainmakers. If you do those last two principles really well, continually innovate and learn and grow and encourage your organization to do the same and do your self-care practices so that you're best, you have your best energy, your best ideas for your employees, for your clients every day, you're going to be successful. If you just do those last two things, (laughs) you're going to be successful. Anyhow, I know we're out of time, but I just wanted to add those last two in there, John.
0: No, perfect. No, I, I think it's great. Uh, so Rick, real quick, if people want to get to know more about you and stuff, where do you want them to go to? How can I yeah, how just can go I to my website?
1: Um, yeah, you can go to www.ci4life.org. The CI means continuous improvement, but it's an abbreviation. CI, the number four life, not com, but .org, And you'll see a whole bunch of freebies around sales, rainmaking, uh, the book, a free assessment, if you want to know where you are on some of these skills that we just mentioned. Also, you can email me directly. If you have questions or find me on social media, my email is r Highland, but it's spelt Hayland, H E Y L A N D R Heyland at gmail.com. So if you go to either one of those two and I am on all the social media channels too, Rick Highland, H E Y L A N D. So love to interact with you. Love to answer your questions. And, John, thank you so much for what you're doing, and in particular in this niche of serving small business. uh, Very important work. So thank you.
0: Oh, you're welcome. And the thing is, is that, you know, uh, I've been called by God to do these things. And it's one of these things that I'm, I'm super passionate about. So thank you for being on today. And I tell you what, folks, in the notes of this podcast, if you'll go to the notes, I'll put all of Rick's links in there. So it's super easy to go and connect with him. So Rick, thank you so much for being on the show today. You bet, John. Take care. All the best. All right. Well, folks, thank you so much for listening and we will see you on the next one. Thank you so much for joining me today and listening to this episode. Hopefully what I shared with you will help you in your business journey as we share to help others expand their minds, businesses and profits. If this episode did help you, be sure to share it with someone else that you know that it will help. We can only achieve our mission if we share it with others and always give first. I hope I can also help you even further by sharing my resources. It is a page that contains all the digital assets we use to expand our business and to help us free up time. The great thing about this page it is completely free. Just go to resources.expansioncode.com to get your free access. Thank you again for tuning in and have a fantastic day, my friends.